0: welcome everybody to the green feed podcast this is your host robert we got a really fun and interesting show we talk about the Titleist pro v1 and pro v1x that was introduced this week and we will also talk about the new wilson d9 driver and then finally we're going to switch it up a little bit and i'm going to preview next week's pga merchandise show it's all virtual this year, but the Green Feet is taking part in it, so that should be pretty, pretty exciting. I plan on showing you guys a lot of smaller brands and, and things that that I find interesting. So um, enough talk, let's get to the show. So like I do every week, we are going to start off with bourbon of the week, and this week we are drinking some Buffalo Trace. I gave my wife full control over what bourbon I was going to drink during this, and she chose A wonderful, wonderful bourbon. So I will be sipping on some Buffalo Trace as we go along this this evening or morning or however, whenever you're listening to this. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite cocktail, of your favorite bourbon. If you're a tequila drinker, pour some of that. Sit back, relax, learn about all the cool stuff that happened in the golf industry this week. So let's start. Sorry about that. I don't know why I went start. Let's start with the first announcement of the week, and that was brand new Titleist Golf Balls. So the Pro V1, Pro V1X is undoubtedly the leader in the golf ball industry. Um, Some other brands have slowly started to creep up and and take some market share, but Pro V1's where it's at. Everyone finds a Pro V1, they get excited about a Pro V1. Um, If you play Pro V1s, everyone thinks you're a good player until you lose all of them. They're expensive, but they are very nice. For the longest time, I was anti-Pro V1 uh, and Pro V1X. I didn't like them, and legitimately, I hit them five yards shorter. So I just didn't hit them. I didn't play them much. I didn't do anything like that. Um, I was actually a Bridgestone guy. I loved loved Bridgestone, played tricks on. I always felt that pretty much every urethane-covered golf ball was the same, but, uh, I just, I couldn't hit Pro V1s. They just were shorter for me. I tended to lose them because they were so spinny. I, uh, if they spun a little bit more, I would, uh, flare it out. Um, Also at the time, I just wasn't good enough to get all the benefits of a Pro V1. So, um, but over the last couple of years, I've gotten my hands on some and, um, actually play my best golf with the Pro V1 right now. So, um, I could, be, I could be switched and, and flipped and my mind changed up. But um, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, um, I received some Pro V1s uh, from various sources. And I just I played my best golf with them. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan. So I'm really excited to see what happens with these 2021 uh, model and changes that they make. Normally what they do is they leave it out for about two years. They make a small change a big change, a change. They reintroduce it. They fine tune things. They reintroduce it as a new one. And we knew these were coming down, down the pipe because Titleist has what are called white boxes, right? If you're part of team Titleist, which is their like fan club, I guess you could say their players club um, message boards, that kind of stuff. If you actually join that, you will sometimes receive in the mail, a little white box and they won't tell you what it is. You don't have any idea. There may be a little bit of information on it, um, but they use that as R&D final testing stages for for players. And so they get the feedback and stuff like that. And what's, what also is interesting about it, you may remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was even last year, um, that they introduced a prototype ball that had its own special packaging, things like that. And um, that was all... That was basically a giant version of the of the white box program, and then another golf ball was the AVX from uh, from Titleist, the Titleist AVX. That was actually a white ball, a white box program that they started and tested out, and got great feedback. So they actually released it as a uh, in their lineup, and it's still in this lineup to the day. So the white box program is usually a good indicator that something is coming. What is coming, we don't know, but we do know usually there's something coming down the pipe when white boxes start to go out, when people start posting them on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, this year's no different. We started to see those a couple of months ago, and now here we are with the new Pro V1 and Pro V1X. So um, pretty cool to see that. Now, that obviously means if they're releasing a new golf ball, things have changed. Now, what has changed? Let's go through it. All right, so first of all, we all know If you don't, we'll just kind of go over this real quick. Pro V1 is uh, a three-layer golf ball. So you have the cover, you have a mantle layer, then you have the core. And then Pro V1X has the core, the, um, what's it called? The, um, you have a casing layer, you have your urethane cover, and then you have your mantle as well in there. Um, That's just going to affect ball flight in different ways, things like that. So uh, let's, let's kind of talk about, what they are and what the changes that have been made. So the first biggest change, um, that Titleist is telling us about is these new spherically tiled tetrahedral dimple designs. Look, we can, we can talk about all that. What does that mean? And it kind of looks like an octagon or a hexagon or they're kind of circles, but some of it's flat. Look, here's what you need to know. New dimple pattern. Okay. New dimple pattern. Um, means that they've changed the aerodynamics of the ball. So what they're saying is that it's going to provide a little bit more penetrating trajectory. So you can think that trajectory is going to lower a, uh, on the Pro V1, and the Pro V1X is going to fly a little bit higher. Um, but expect it to go down a little bit. Um, one of the way that they're doing this is Pro V1 actually has 388 dimples, while the V1X has 348. Um, both patterns, you know, they've been optimized – to match the ball, the flight characteristics of that golf ball. So, um, yeah, it's a new, new, new cover design, new dimple design, just to help with the aerodynamics of the ball. So you maximize the distance with it. Um, and then uh, something else interesting about this that I totally forgot to mention was the fact that, uh, this is really the first time the dimples have been redesigned on the pro V one since 2011. So, you got to think that if they aren't willing to change it for 10 years, when um, when it is time to change it, that means they found something pretty good. With with Titleist, you know that they're not going to, re, you know, massively change the Pro V1 or the Pro V1X without a lot of research in it and a lot of uh, success in, in testing. Um, some companies will change golf balls all the time. I remember Callaway before the, Chrome Soft came out. They had the SR series that had like six different golf balls in it. They had um, they used to have the hexagon ones. Um, they had all types of golf balls that were urethane covered that were supposed to be their tour model. They would change golf balls every year, and they kept going. In they would change the name from the SR series, which was the Speed regime regime, to the Hex. To uh, the hex i they I mean they had it all and Titleist just kept Pro V Pro V one X and they kept changing it and you've seen Callaway do this over the last couple of years they got a lot of market share with the Chrome Soft and the uh and the soft golf balls and things like that in fact their newest golf ball the Chrome Soft X which is their firmer version of the of the Chrome Soft isn't even that soft it's actually a really firm golf ball even when it comes to tour balls. So they're just really focusing on that Chrome soft name because it's got the brand cachet, and they haven't changed their name in four or five years. So, um, the brand cachet does a lot and you can make small changes to the golf ball while keeping the name. So title is doing a big, huge renovation on their dimple pattern. And, uh, this is something we should we should be excited about. If if Titleist is changing it, then after ten years, then you know that it's probably going to be pretty good. Um, looks like some other cool stuff that Titleist is telling us is that they did nineteen hundred different patterns to figure out which one they wanted, and this is what they ended up with. So it's that says a lot. Okay, um, like I said, Titleist isn't going to change the Pro V1 dramatically unless they're seeing a lot of success with it. And then the next thing we're talking about when it comes to this is to go hand in hand with the new dimple pattern. We are looking at a new urethane cover. Okay. So they Titleist is claiming that we are getting a softer cover, which just means more spin, right? It's the softest formulation they've ever used. We're getting more spin out of it. Um, it's going to grip those wedges a little bit more. The milled marks on the faces of your wedge it's gonna grab that a little bit more, just spin a little bit more, which is awesome, 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 awesome for uh, green type control. One of the biggest benefits of using a Pro V or a Pro V1X is that green type control that you get. You always know how a titleless golf ball is gonna perform around the green. And if they're making it softer and I can get a little bit more spin and it may check up a little bit more, more power to it. Another big thing that they're talking about is this new casing layer. So between the core and the cover, they're adding a new layer it's a high flex casing layer is what it's called um it's comprised of a high speed firm ionomer which uh they originally used in the Pro V1X left dash which is another golf ball um that they do it's really low spin um and it's a pretty cool golf ball the left dash is um it was used on tour for a long time some guys were able to get their hands on it and uh and eventually started talking about it so much that Titleist decided to release it to the masses. So this, uh, this new ion Ionomer, Ionomer was developed for that. So it's going to help lower spin, firm it up a little bit. And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool technology that they're moving over into the Pro V, Pro V1X non dashes. Um, what's your, what, what's going to happen with that? Um, is just more speed and lower spin on long game shots, right? So if it's firmer, firmer things go faster. Um, one of another another website likes to say with golf ball, soft is slow, and they have the numbers to back it up. Um, I don't always trust everything that website says, but um, things have kind of proven that out. Titleist has even confirmed that themselves. And this right here is going to help lower spin and uh, add some speed. So we can we can expect higher ball speeds, a little bit less spin, more distance overall. That's really going to help with those long game shots. And then, like I said, that soft, urethane is going to help on those short game shots. And the final thing the Titleist has done to really um, change this this golf ball is uh, they're changing the core. Right, the core is the middle middle part of it, just like the Earth. I need you to go back to your geology class in high school. And remember that the middle of the earth is called the core. Same thing with a golf ball. Don't overthink it, right? And what you need with that core is you need consistency, right? You need it to flex the same. You need it to do everything the same every time it's hit with a golf ball. When I hit my golf ball with the driver, I need it to be consistently the same performance every single time unless I do something wrong, okay? So that core is designed to maximize ball speed and, like I said, that consistency. And what they've done is it's called the Z 2.0 ZG process. Okay. I don't know what ZG means. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, but what that does, their, their process that they uh, say, I'm going to pretend it means zero gravity. I'm kidding. I have no idea what it means. Uh, ZG process ensures that through production, each... Uh, Pro V1 and Pro V1X is going to deliver that distance and soft feel, So it's all about consistency. Like I said, with the core, you need maximum consistency. So it's it's nice that they're doing that. So from the sound of it, they've re-engineered this entire golf ball, right? If we're changing the dimple pattern, we are changing the core, we're changing the mantle layer, and we're changing the cover. That's four different things they're changing on a, on a three- layer golf ball or four layer golf ball to me that sounds like we are changing the game pretty hard here um so i would some of the things i've read is that Titleist is really saying this is the biggest change they've made to the pro v1 and the pro v1x since it was released back in 2000 maybe 2001 don't hold me to that i think it was somewhere in there uh the early 2000s we'll go with that we'll go with that but now i'm thinking it could have been late 90s either way you know what i mean Um, so if you're a pro V1 fan, really give these a go. And if you don't like them, let's say you like the 2019 model more load up on the 2019s. Just a piece of advice. Get the golf ball. You like buy 15 dozen Sure, It's going to cost you a shit ton of money, but get it and get the golf ball. You like it never run out. There's an easy solution there. Plus you can probably get them a little bit cheaper. The 2019 model. Um, Price-wise for these, you're looking at $49.99 a dozen. You'll probably be able to find them for $45 at your local golf shop. They are available in white and yellow. Um, You can get them with um, 1 through 4 and 5 through 8 along with the same numbers. So like double zero through 99 through custom. Uh, You can get that yellow, but the only option in the yellow is going to be numbers 1 through 4. So if you like a yellow golf ball and you want a cool urethane cover, That is going to uh, spin a ton. Probably one. All right, so that's the first thing we are going to talk about. The second thing I wanted to talk about was literally on Friday. So I was going to record a podcast on Thursday, but I just never got around to it, just like last week. Um, I was actually doing some stuff for the next segment coming up, the PGA show uh, that actually took a lot of my time rather than recording a podcast, and boy, am I glad that I waited until today. Because this morning, which I'm recording this on January 22nd, this morning, Wilson announced a brand new driver. Wilson has moved on from the D7 and have introduced the D9 driver. So this is going to be their new driver. They also introduced irons with this. Fairway woods and hybrids, so we're getting a whole new D9 lineup. Now, before we go too deep into what the D9 means and what it looks like in and all the specs on it, let's kind of talk about Wilson and what they what they try to accomplish when it comes to their D series drivers. So the D series drivers, they they used to have uh, a D driver. And a C driver, I think they had a C driver. I think it went up to like the C seven, C five driver, somewhere in there. Um, and what what that was was um, what they were trying to accomplish with the with the different different drivers was the fact they were trying to get the D series was for distance, C was for control, and and so the D series really was always their lightweight, higher handicap model model uh, driver. And so they made it very lightweight and very easy, easy to hit with these with the D series. So you had the D three hundred, you had the D two hundred, and they had some weird designs. They had one the D three hundred had like. We're, we're so used to Turbulators on Ping But this was so weird It had like Dots on top of it And like They went almost All the way to the back of the club It was hideous It was hideous Hideous It was like spikes They were actually sharp like It was hideous The D300 driver was awful But that's But at the same time They had the C300 driver Which actually looked pretty nice the D series was made for distance. The C series was designed for control, maybe a little bit better player. And then their top of the line was always the uh, Wilson staff line. They went with the Triton, the Cortex, things like that. And what that was was for the tour guys, right? The the much better players, the low spin, low launch. But But what we had was the C was control, D was ultra lightweight. And they kept up with that for a long time, up until even last year. We had the D200 followed by the D300. And then we started getting into these new D single numbers. So we had um, a D7 last year, right? We had the D7 driver last year, which was still a very lightweight driver. It was very made for higher handicaps, right? No adjustment on it. Weight low and back. uh, Very lightweight. They used a lightweight grip. They used a lightweight uh, shaft. They used lightweight Head everything, and this year, they decided that they were going to change that up a little bit. And the D is the D series is still going to be kind of for a middle handicap. Um, but what they've done is they've really kind of made the shape a little bit more player friendly. And it was actually, um, yeah, they they made it a little bit more player friendly in terms of the shape. And then when we when you start looking at the uh, weight placement it is going to be higher launching higher spin but overall they did raise the weight so it's not all about speed and and 100 percent of the of the distance one of my biggest problems with the d7 was not the look was not the fact it didn't have adjustability it was none of that i sprayed it everywhere because i had no sense where the head was such a low swing weight such a lightweight driver i had no sense of where the club head was Where anything was, it just threw me off. My sync was totally off. So, I was never a huge fan of the D7. I did like the way it looked. But overall, it was what it was. But this year, this D9, they're they're doing some cool stuff here. Okay? The biggest thing that Wilson is doing is they are, I hate to say taking a page from, uh, from Callaway here by using artificial intelligence. That's not something that is a new concept in the world of engineering, right? Using AI to get maximum performance. Nor is um, Callaway the first company to do it, right? They're just the first one that we all jumped on board and they really dove feet first into it. So I hate seeing that Wilson's taken a page from the Callaway book, but what they've done is they've actually got um, AI involved to help them design their face. This new face is called P kinetic response. So you'll see it on the toe of the club on the face, on the toe, you'll see PKR. Now what that PKR is, it was artificial design and they have, and what's cool is the PKR face has already been tested on tour by Gary Woodland. Now, does that mean it's going to be used by Gary Woodland? No, but he thought enough of it to at least put it out and, and test it. So, um, we do see the PKR. Now, what is the PKR? PKR is um, a new face design where the face has been it, – it, it's been divided into what are called fractural zone zones. And Wilson is fine-tuning every millimeter of the surface. So when we talk about Callaway, we talk about other companies that have used AI. It's all come down to the faces for the most part. And Wilson's no different, right? They're using this to get every single piece of of um, information that they can get to deliver explosive distance and performance. Right, everyone's chasing ball speed here. Everyone, I I don't think I've done a podcast in the last month where I haven't said at least one time ball speed is key. Every week I have to talk about drivers, and every week what do we talk about? Every week we talk about how companies are engineering faces to get maximum ball speed because ball speed is. King. So this is Wilson's answer to, to getting more ball speed, right? The last couple of models that their answer was make it lightweight so you can swing it faster and then you get faster ball speed, which technically is true. But if you can't hit it in the middle of the face, cause it's too light, you're not getting that, uh, that ball speed properly. And Wilson, when it comes to this face is saying that this is their most technical, technologically advanced face. And, um, they're, they're really excited about it. We don't hear a lot about Wilson Golf, right? Especially when it comes to their woods. Their, their irons and wedges do get some play out there. And so it's nice to see them take another step forward with the PKR face, really trying to get that ball speed up there. Another thing that has been noted is that they're not going full lightweight anymore. Like I said earlier, they are actually making this kind of a standard weighted driver, which I love. And will probably get me to test it out. I knew the D7 was pretty light. Um, back in the day, I actually was the one who was their customer service rep at a company. And I knew the shafts that were going into it. And I knew how lightweight they are. And um, I just I just knew I didn't really like that shaft that much. So there are a couple of disadvantages to this club, though. Okay. Okay. Um, the biggest advantage of it, before I go into the disadvantages, is the price, right? We have a driver at 349 so we have had Callaway, Cleveland, not Cleveland, sorry, Cleveland. We've had Callaway, TaylorMade, Ping, all hover right around that 500 550 bucks. Title is sneaking up 550 even $600 in, in some cases. Um, and so if you can get something that performs pretty well, looks pretty good, which I think the Wilson does, at 349, you're getting some pretty. That's some good value there. You're getting a composite crown like you were with uh, all a lot of the other competitors as well. So that's going to help with some noise. So at 349, it's a really good price. But also at 349, that means you're losing some things, right? Um, you're going to lose some of the, the uh, technology that you get with other drivers. Now, one thing you you um don't lose when it comes to comparing this to a tailor made is a movable weight so wilson uh is going away from uh, has never really used a movable weight in their d series drivers and this year's no different so it's just got a weight in the back that weighs ten grams you can replace it with a three gram weight to uh make it lightweight and kind of go back to old school uh wilson d series d series uh drivers there. The other thing you're going to lose is hosel adjustability, which does kind of suck, right? We all we all love the um, ability to change the loft of our club, especially fitters. Fitters love that love that idea. Okay, what they can do is one, it makes it easy to fit, change shafts out, just pop, pop, pop. But it also allows you to go. Let's say your guy is um, delivering it with a really closed face, right? Well, what what does that mean? He's probably not getting enough loft on it, so he's probably not getting enough spin. He's hitting the ball left, and he's shutting that face down and closing that face. So um, the ball's going left, low spin, low launch. Now, how do you fix that? Well, how do you fix that is you give him a little bit more loft. So maybe you go to a 10.5. Maybe the 10.5 is too much, okay? Maybe that 10.5 is just a little little bit too much loft. Well, with the TaylorMade or the Callaway, you can crank it down to maybe a ten. And then when you do that, that opens up the face, helps him leave that face a little bit open, maybe hit a straighter shot. With a 10.5, he may be launching it too high. Maybe this club won't fit him because he needs a 9.75 that you could easily change into with a with a Callaway Epic or a TaylorMade Sim too. But you're not able to do that with this Wilson club. So that is a that is a big disadvantage that we will find there. If Wilson was able to do something in... Was able to give you a bendable hosel where maybe you can open up the face or change the loft a little bit like that without needing that that fitting tool then that would uh certainly be useful but that's not really something you see anymore another negative to that is the fitters if they were to go somewhere like a club champion uh somewhere like that then the problem becomes to get it to work you'll have to connect something called club connects now club connects is something that allows fitters like TXG or club champion or true spec It allows them to easily change shafts from club to club to club. Well, if your club isn't designed to have a system in the hosel and then we add one so that we can change shafts easily and do cool fittings like that, you run into the problem of not being able uh, of the extra weight from that hosel adjustability affecting the CG of the club. And what does that mean? That means we've changed the performance of the club. We've put a little bit more weight in the heel, which isn't always a good thing for a lot of players. So just something to be aware of with Wilson is you're not going to get all that adjustability that you may be looking for. But overall, I love the way the club looks. The blue and I can't tell if that's gold or, or silver or what it is. It looks gold. The blue and gold kind of reminiscent of a little bit of Notre Dame there. Uh overall I think it looks great. I think especially for 349, whoever buys this club is going to be pretty happy. The problem's going to be getting somebody to try it. At 349, you take it out there, you try to show it off to your friends and your friends will go, "Who the hell buys a Wilson driver?" And then you hit pipe it down the middle, hit it 265 down the middle and uh make them hit next. So, um remember price doesn't equal doesn't equal quality. Wilson comes out with great stuff. Um and, and very high performing stuff. So at 349, definitely worth taking a look at it. So that was pretty much everything that went a little crazy, a little crazy this, this week. That's what was released. So, what we're going to do now is have a little bit of fun. And I'm going to tell you about the PGA show, which is next week. PGA show, so I'll give you some history behind it. PGA show was originally started. Um, to be kind of a purchasing show for a lot of PGA pros. People forget that now. So what it is is what it used to be was the fact that, you know, all the reps would move south in the winter to continue selling. So all those golf courses in the Northeast that were shut down weren't open for business. The reps couldn't stop in and show off the new lineups. So what did they do? They created a show called the PGA Merchandise Show. And the PGA Merchandise Show actually was a buyer's show at first. So what you would do is these pros from up north would come down to Florida in mid-January. The weather would be nice. They'd see all the new stuff that everybody was offering, and they'd put in their orders for the year at this show. And they'd see the new product. They'd hit it, and they they would just, like I said, um, make their purchases for the year. Well, then it kind of changed, right? The the creation of the internet really changed this idea that we needed to go down to Florida, that PGA pros and, and pro shops needed to go down to Florida to see the new stuff. Hell, I'm telling you about the new Wilson driver right now, um, and... I've I've never had one in my hand. I'm just looking at it, reading press releases, uh, seeing what some others might be saying about it. And um, so it really takes away that surprise with the internet. But the show was still a huge deal because people were still making their purchases down there. And as we've gone along through the years, I always wanted to go one. starting in like 2010. I I was working at a golf shop and I kept asking if I could go. If I could go, I could go. I'll pay my own way. Can Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And I always got told no, because I wasn't in the industry. I wasn't a PGA pro. I wasn't anything like that, right? I just worked at a driving range and a, and a golf school. They kept telling me no, kept telling me no, kept telling me no. Okay, that's fine. So then I started a previous blog and podcast. And, I, and I've told my wife before that it was always a dream of mine to go to this show. Because all the cool stuff is there, right? You get to see it before anybody else. At the time... Uh, back in like 2012, 2013, 2014. This is where you would go. You'd get your first. You you would see people's uh in hand pictures with the new stuff for the very first time. You were able to uh hit all the new stuff at the giant demo day before it reached stores. It was awesome, man. I always wanted to go. So I started another blog, and I looked at my wife and I said, "You know, I'm technically golf golf media. So um, I wonder if they'd let me go." She's like, I don't know. Try. So I send an email and to uh, the PGA show and they're like, all right, send us, send us your proof, right? That you're part of the golf media. So I sent them a link to my old blog. And next thing I know, they said yes. And then I was so excited. My wife was like, you're going no matter what, we'll find a way. Cause I was like, I got, I I'm in, I get to go. I get to, I, I may get to go check it out. And so She's like, you're in no matter what. And I was like, okay, I hop online. I check out flights. Flights are like, it was a sign from God. Flights were, I think it was like 90 bucks round trip, a hundred bucks round trip. So I booked my flights and I went and I'll tell you what, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I've never been so happy to be so tired. Okay. I mean anybody and everybody who's in golf is here except for now, Taylor, um, but as the years have gone along, we've kind of it, it just keeps kind of dying out, right? I keep hearing about the death of the PGA show. Cause it's not really needed for buying anymore. Most companies, you can hit their stuff early. They use social media to promote their stuff. There's really no need for it, right? I mean, reps are visiting country clubs in October, November now, right before they close, and pros are able to get out there and hit it on the course and and check it out before it before the show so there's no real need for the show anymore but what i will say is they still do it and this year is a little bit different this year it has gone all virtual so um i decided again when i started this back up that i wanted to go and i emailed and i registered and i got to go so um what that means is i am going to do some really 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 cool stuff um And interview some really cool companies because there are companies here. One of the things I like to do is, especially at the show, is I heard another uh, podcast website call it Desperation Row. And I get what they're trying to say by that. It's a lot of people who are desperate. They don't always have the best products. They're desperate. They've spent all their money, their life savings on this product that's just not very good. Um, but I did think it's a little derogatory. I mean, these people are out here grinding, working hard, just trying to, just trying to make, make it for themselves. And it, and, and on this row, you'll actually see some weird products. They'll start attaching things to your back. They will, uh, I one time saw a putter mat that was half a golf ball in the way it used friction, um, to slow down the ball would tell you how far it went on a real green. It was very odd. I thought it was kind of cool. And it looked pretty cool, but then I asked him how much it cost, and he said $4,000, and I tried my hardest not to laugh. But I think these are the people that actually make the golf industry kind of fun, right? And so I really like walking around, talking to smaller companies. Um, My first year, I talked to a company named Jack Grace that did shoes where you could change the saddle. Um, This is not a shot at Jack Grace at all. I didn't find the shoe very comfortable, but I love that idea. How cool would it be to watch FootJoy incorporate that into their into their stuff? So if I can do an interview with them, talk to them, get their product out there, maybe somebody finds their shoes super comfortable. In fact, I've heard people do. I know I know a couple of people who are like, "Hey, have you ever heard of Jack Gray's shoes?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I have." So it's pretty cool to uh, to see that kind of stuff, right? And uh, this year is is going to be no different for me. I have uh, already started interviews, so let's talk about some of the companies that I hope to to get in contact with at the show. My, my biggest goal at the show is to get with the large companies like uh, Mizuno, uh, Ping, TaylorMade, Callaway. Get with those guys. And what I want to do with them is just simply get on their media list, right? I want to make sure that I can access pictures and knowledge about the clubs before before they really truly hit the market. Because if I'm just reading off a website, I'm not able to give you the best information as possible. If I'm reading their press release that they released the same day and I go on YouTube and there are five other people doing the uh, video review of it, that, that puts me in the tough spot. So that's the first thing I try to do. All right? Uh, just just real honest here, right? You got to get in with them because that's what that's what gets people to listen to you. But some of the cool things uh, in companies that I'm kind of talking to and I've sent – sent things out to is um foresight right we've all heard of foresight um i actually have a meeting set up with another company called uh flight scope they do some really cool stuff um i put out a request to talk to pure grips kind of talk to you guys about what they do um we have rapsado i'm meeting with pride sports we're going to get some cool graphite chaff information uh, hopefully from Graphite Design. There's a company called Bobby Golf, right? My name's Robert. I go by Bobby in my personal life. My wife calls me Bobby. My parents call me Bobby. I'm Bobby. Any any of my friends know me as Bobby. I go by Robert on here because I guess it sounds more professional. But um, I'm Bobby. I'm meeting with a company called Bobby Golf. I think that's awesome. Uh, Going to do something cool with adaptive golfers. They, um, they actually work with handicapped people to get the golf game out. Right, so we can talk and talk and talk to to Callaway and Ping and get all their information. But guess what? I've already shown you previews of all their clubs. I had Ping week two months ago, and while that's cool, the people who also make the golf industry are some of these people that I'm going to talk to. Okay, um, Adaptive Golf makes it open for everybody. Um, Shot Scope. Um, we got all types of companies. Some of these smaller companies that you may have heard of, but you don't know much about. It's my job to get their information to you. I want you to find out about all the cool products that you can can purchase that can make your golf game better because I want to see you succeed in golf. So overall, next week's going to be really exciting. Expect some really cool interviews. Expect a lot of cool uh, pictures, new products that you've never heard of, a couple of products that you're probably going to want to buy, some knowledge about how you can help in the golf industry, things like that. So I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to share all this with you guys. If there's any companies you want me to talk to, I can see if they're there. I can try to set up a time. If there's any questions you want me to ask a company like Jumbo Jumbo Max Grips, let me know. I'll ask. I don't care. But um, if there's anything you guys want to know, find me on social media at The Green Fee. If you search that on pretty much every social media platform, Except for Twitter, you got to add the number one at the end. Um, you will find me on there. So at the Green Fee, at the Green Fee, at the Green Fee 1. You can find me on YouTube at the Green Fee. I hope and pray that you share this with one friend. I hope you subscribe, like this podcast, download it every week because that helps me out tremendously. Leave a, leave a review wherever you are watching this. I would appreciate it greatly. If you have any questions, please like I said, feel free We reach out. Let's have a good time. I'll see you guys next week with a lot of cool information from the PGA show. Don't be surprised if there is more than one um, episode of this. this uh, the information I'm getting from the PGA show is gonna turn into a long couple of podcast uh, interviews, stuff like that. so I am looking forward to it. So that's it for me this week. Hit 'em straight. Have a great week.